most of my probate deals never saw MLS because the wow. seller would sign, sign an MLS opt-out. We would send it through our private buyer's list, and it would be under contract immediately. And I mean, usually within hours. Welcome, value-providing agents and investors nationwide. Today is July 23rd, 2020, and this is Mastermind Call number 288. Just a little bit of a few brief announcements before we get to our callers. And by the way, we do have six people in the queue. If you would like to actively participate, just hit star six and then hit one. And first of all, I wanted to announce our winner of the week last week was Rosie Heyer. Rosie's just been with us a little over a month. She took mastery, and she'd already put together three deals. So congratulations, Rosie. You are our winner of the week. And, Chad, I know you have a couple quick announcements also. Yeah, speaking of mastery, I know a lot of folks have been waiting on me. We finally got a calendar in place for the rest of the month. So mastery will begin on Monday the 27th at 3 Eastern. So it's three consecutive days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, starting at 3 Eastern finishing whenever we finish. Um, <laughs> it depends on how interactive the group is, how long we run. And if you want to get signed up, you can go to probatemastery.com or in subscriber portal, look under the education and training tab in the menu. The other thing, if you weren't here last week, we did announce um, our newest product, Probate Plus. And what this is, is in response to requests from you guys, you know, wanting a better quality of data, wanting to know more and more and more about each of the estates before you pick up the phone. Uh, probate Plus, you'll see inside of my, my probate leads in your CRM, you start to see some different, some changes like uh, real estate fields that you're not used to seeing. If you click learn more about Probate Plus, um, you can go learn all about it. But it's basically a, a data augmentation that will allow you to with a higher quality data, you can focus your marketing dollars and cut your campaign cost by having better data and knowing exactly which ones to go after first. Um, so you can go to alltheleads.com forward slash probate plus or click from the subscriber portal and, and see it in action. I think Perfect. Really and I think it's I fair, to, fair to say that that's something that you can you will not find anywhere else. So it's we're real proud of it, and we'd like to see as many of you guys take advantage of it as possible. So let's go to our callers. We now have eight in the queue. Great job, guys. I didn't hardly have to beg. And first up this week is phone number ending in 0306. I just was talking about you, Rosie. Oh, hi, guys. Thank you. Hi there. Um, You're very welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So uh, just here... Um, wanting to talk about my last works experience. Um, and so uh, we were able to move the client forward that we got, um, you know, with the minimum of will. Um, I was able to successfully speak to three probate attorneys, asked all of them for video calls. Um, I think within two weeks, some of them would be ready. So I'm excited about that. Um, my question was specifically around prospecting. Um, so I'm dialing through the leads. I have around close to 597 leads in my system that we're going through. Um, uh, at the same time, what I'm learning is, as I was having my daily conversations with my current database, I'm letting them know that uh, I'm a certified probate specialist to seek the opportunity there. 
And uh, one instance that happened last week, my hairdresser, that was my sphere conversation, her mother went through probate and spent four or $5,000, where she didn't have to do any of that, right? So I was wondering, um, I tried to introduce with a script that, um, you know, very generally letting people know that I'm a probate specialist too, but I found myself explaining myself a little too much. So my question is, if I would like to introduce myself as a skilled probate specialist to my current database, what is a nice way to go about it where it's well-received and people um, find me as a resource so I can nurture some leads out of my people that I already know? Hi, my name's Rosie. I've got a team of people here in, in Austin that help families going through probate, and uh, we mainly help them increase equity and lower stress. Oh, okay. So same thing that we are doing other people, don't even explain much about it, just go straight into the same script. No, that's like, so people don't feel talked to. You say something vague and summarize it like that, right? So, uh, hi, I'm Rosie. I help families going through, I help families going through probate, uh, retain more of the generational wealth and get rid of a lot of the stress. Well, what's your natural okay. response to that? What do you mean? Or how do you do that? Or tell me more. Like, so something that's just a few sentences that will really beg curiosity and make them want to ask you questions. And when they start asking questions, and you're, it's same with the prospect. You, you stay in control as a leader in the conversation. But they're asking you, with my permission, please tell me more. Please tell me more. Okay, good, good. Okay, so just introduce that one little... I've had a lot of practice with this because, like, my family doesn't know what I do for a living. They're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I help families go... <laughs> what I just told you is, like, it is legitimately my own explanation. Okay. Okay, awesome. I like that. I like that. I like the genuineness in it. Um, that's all for today. Thank you. Hey, Rosie, it's Bruce, and I'm going to throw in that um, that's, that's really good if you are face-to-face um, -face with someone or you're having a conversation on a Zoom meeting or network meeting. You can also mm -hmm. do this exact same thing through some of your marketing with opt-ins. So you give people an opportunity to click through to a video or click through to a blog or something that you've done that, that explains more. Um, I love the idea of taking people that you already have in your sphere of influence or your database and giving them additional uh, opt-in options. And Chad's opt-in option that he yeah. just gave was the ultimate one because they verbally ask, tell me more. Well, how do you do that? But if you're not face-to-face, -face, maybe record a video explaining it and don't give the video away, but give the brief post away on Facebook or the brief email and say, if you want to know more, click here. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, actually, I'm, I don't think I can recap what you said, but I want you all to know I completely understood you. Um, basically, you guys are saying that communicate through the video um, in a snippet content where a database can look at it and uh, understand, um, you know, what I'm offering in addition to real estate, what my uh, expertise is in and how I'm helping things in addition to real estate with. So I got it. I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm going to ask you a very random question. I don't think I should be the one asking because my husband handles that part of the business. But uh, we are really trying to master the Facebook ads, and uh, I understand it's not just boosting a post. There's a lot more to it. And they're taking some very intense training. Uh, I was planning on making that uh, video that you guys just mentioned, Bruce, um, and running Facebook ads with that to my current database that I have in my uh, CRM that I'm interacting with. 
would it be a good attempt uh, in marketing or I'm, I would be just throwing some dollars or time hours away? I would look at it as a branding campaign, not a marketing campaign. Okay. And in my opinion, those are two okay. very different things. Marketing elicits mm -hmm. a direct response. Branding builds familiarity. So as long okay. as you don't look at it and expect an immediate return on those dollars, like you'll get an indirect uh -huh. return because you're just branding uh -huh. to your sphere of influence. But it's you okay. know the, the cash conversion cycle on on dollars like that are usually nine to twelve months. So it's something that don't if you if you're going to do it, do it with a long term mindset. It's it's low mm -hmm. cost com compared to direct mm -hmm. marketing. You can get those impressions for much lower cost. So just engage it like you with it like you would a say a farming campaign or television ad. Mm -hmm. Something you're going to do that's low dollar, high touch over a basically in perpetuity. And over time, the more mm -hmm. people who understand what you do and how you actually affect the community, the community you're living and working in, like mm -hmm. you should really connect with Roger Lisi. Roger, if you're on the call, um, chime in. But mm -hmm. Roger is, he's in Northwest Arkansas, a very different market than what you're in. But even mm -hmm. with 30 leads a month, well, you know, he gets a fraction of what you get each month, but he has built the, the core of his business is this. And it's because he's doing what you're doing. He's, he considers every conversation an addition to his sphere of influence. They go into his uh -huh. database. He makes, he makes follow-up calls. So it's no surprise uh -huh. that he gets guardianship, uh -huh. divorce, probate, trust. He, gets, he, gets, he, gets, uh, he testifies in court as a real estate expert. He just has a, uh -huh. constant, uh, a constant flow of opportunities because he has approached mm -hmm. it this way for the last, uh, at least the last four years, he's been doing what you're proposing, just staying in front of everybody with your message. Mm -hmm. And so it's, mm -hmm. if it's somebody with aging parents or it's somebody mm -hmm. that's going through a divorce, like if they understand there's a woman here in town that has an entire team of people to help in family transitions, like that, mm -hmm. that branding impression can be really good because when they, when they or somebody close to them is in that situation, mm -hmm. they'll only think of you. So that's what I would say about it. Uh, if you're if you're marketing directly to the personal representatives as a saved audience, that's obviously uh -huh. I have a different opinion. That's direct marketing. But if you're just hitting uh -huh. your whole database with it, I would just have a long-term mindset. Yes, definitely. I just wanted to uh, maximize my return on each conversation I was having in a day, um, because in addition to probate calls, I naturally reach out to my sphere. Uh, as consistently on a daily basis. So I just wanted to add one more thing in it, and I think it's a, um, and you're right, Chad, that if I do go the route of Facebook ads, my intention was to set a budget, turn it on for a whole year, build traffic to the website. So at least when people look me up, they can find legitimacy in it, and it's completely branding uh, to enhance my results when I'm actually prospecting. Um, so that was the intention behind it, and I'm, I'm glad that, um, you know, you guys are letting me know that branding does take seven, eight months or the 9 to 12 months and not an immediate return. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking and forward Rosie, to I wanna, While we're on this, on this topic, I want to remind you, I mean, we did talk about this in mastery, but you've, you've been covering a lot of ground quickly. So I'll just remind mm -hmm. you that every, every one from your sphere of influence that does not have an estate plan should have an estate plan. And I know that's mm -hmm. an inclusive statement, but they should. So while you're doing mm -hmm. these sphere of influence calls, why not – Find out, just say, listen, you know, COVID has given me an opportunity to really analyze my level of service, and I'm going to step mm -hmm. up for the rest of 2020. 
I'm going to do what I should have done a long time ago. I'm offering every one of my clients and even, even prospects, anyone in my sphere of influence, gets a free hour with my high-level estate planning attorney because I've helped enough families now. I don't want to see anyone I know go through this and the, the expense and the stress of probate. So how would you like to have an hour with our legal team? And the, cool. everyone that says everyone yes. that says yes, yeah, now here's 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 how you monetize this. That's you've perfect. you've done your goodwill. You've also created mm -hmm. an A plus referral, so you can open the door mm -hmm. to a new attorney relationship, or you can reinforce mm -hmm. an existing attorney relationship. And mm -hmm. with the level of discipline and tenacity that you guys approach your business, I would imagine you could probably get at least two or three referrals a month back from attorneys just by doing that on the calls you're already making. Yes, yes. And um, I just want to share something, and my, my input might be naive, so please take it with a grain of salt. I know uh, probate attorneys could be, um, I don't know where I get this sense, but probate attorneys could be hard to get hold of or, you know, open up for an interview. Uh, we, uh, we were able to uh, have detailed conversation with three different attorneys in one week. And what I did is I reached out to my title company. Like I remember having a memory of working with my title company and somebody had a probate issue. So I have a good relationship with my title companies who I do good business with. And I asked them, what probate attorney do they use when minimum of the will or something like needs to be handled? And their relationship with attorneys were different. So I was able to get on their calendar quicker. So anybody out there, I'm not sure what I'm saying is any true, but this just worked. And maybe I'm doing it the hard way still, so I'm happy to hear you guys out. Um, but you, this estate planning, Chad, what you just said, um, this is powerful because I think this is the true value add, and uh, I'm 100% in agreement. I'm very excited. It will be done this week. <laughs> I believe I want you guys. I want you guys to hear what she just said. This is this is one of the most powerful ways to get in front of attorneys is through a warm referral with the with the attorney connections that you already have. Real estate attorneys, bankruptcy, whatever they are, deal. Go to those attorneys and ask for connections with probate and estate attorneys, and that'll that'll open the door wide open to one on ones. That's true. All right. Thank you. Rosie, thank you so much. You know, you got off to such a strong uh, start. No pressure, but we expect three deals a week from you from now on. Come in every week and give us your <laughs> three new deals, okay? <laughs> thank you so much. All right, next up is phone number ending in 4650. You're up next. Hi, this is Michael. Uh, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, and the property that I'd like to discuss is a single-family home in Pennsylvania. The, the situation is that my mother passed away recently, and her estate leaves her, um, her property uh, equally divided between my brother, my sister, and I. So we would each get one-third of the estate, including one-third of her home. Uh, my sister has been living in that home for several years, and she would like to stay there. What I would like to know is, is probably some real basic information for you folks, but since I'm a new investor, it's all a big mystery. If you could explain the process of how we could change title from my deceased parents to my sister and how my sister could reimburse my brother and I each for one-third share of the home. Is your sister creditworthy? 
That is a good question. Uh, nine or ten years ago, she had a bankruptcy. That's okay. She's seven years away. So oh, oh, we'll, okay. we'll, first, we'll first assume that she is creditworthy. In this case, it's very easy. She will sign a purchase agreement. Who's the personal representative? Are you the administrator or the executor? No, my brother, my brother is the uh, administrator. Okay, so she would sign a purchase agreement as the buyer with your brother as the executor. And then you'll close the chain of title using the death certificate, the letters, testamentary, uh, list of heirs, etc. And then she'll own the home, and then the bank will pay you and your brother at the closing table. You guys, well, the estate's bank account will receive the, the cash funds. And then at the final distribution, you will show the, your brother will show the court that the house was worth X, your sister got her equity in the home, and you guys have your equity in cash in the estate's bank account, and that will be released to you upon the final disbursement. If that doesn't work, if it is, if she's not creditworthy, then you can still sell her the home. So the estate could sell her a home with uh, no money down, 100% owner financing. Obviously, you just subtract her equity from that, from the valuation. And you guys carry a first, like you and your brother could, you could, you could even form an entity and that entity could carry the mortgage or you could do it personally. But you guys would basically extend credit to her if, if that's okay with you, if you don't need the money right now. <laughs> okay. Very interesting. I heard, a de I heard a devious laugh there. Does that mean that's something you don't want to do? I don't because of my okay. past experience with uh, her finances. <laughs> so this is a very common situation. A lot of families find themselves in this position. And for anyone listening, when a family member tells you, and I'm putting you on the spot, sir, but when a family member tells you that, oh, no, uh, my sister or my cousin or, or Uncle Jerry is going to buy it, in my experience, and, and at least in southwest Virginia, about 80 to 90% of the time, they're not capable of buying it. That's why they're 60 years old and have never owned a home. But the family doesn't understand real estate finance. So they, they truly want them to have the home, but they also want what you want. You want your sister to keep that home, but you want your equity right. in cash today. So a lot of families will ultimately find that it's simply not an option and they do have to sell. So if if you're if you accept that as at that objection at face value, and then you go away, you might not ever get that person on the phone again. So this is one of those areas where you'll hear me say I'm not a high pressure salesperson, but I see myself as a leader in this situation. So I'm going to push on you and find out, just like I ask you, is your sister credit worthy? And I'm going to bring that pain to the surface, and I'm going to hear that devious laugh, and then I'm going to know you need a contingency plan because it's unlikely your sister will be able to pull this off based on what little bit of information I've heard from you so far. So I'm going to, I'm going to just give you every bit of service I possibly can because the moment she realizes she's not, she's going to have to move out of that house. You're, you're going to be the one that you're going to trust me to handle that and maximize the equity. So we can get her equity now to get her into a more, you know, a, a suitable living situation. So, and one, one thing why to asking good one, questions is very important. Yeah, one thing I was going to add, even even if she may not be, you know, she may not qualify for an FHA or a conventional loan. Remember, in this situation, she's essentially putting one third down 
So she's yeah. only going to get a 66% mortgage. I, I would suspect right. you could find somebody that would finance that. You know, it might be at a slightly higher interest rate, uh, maybe a private lender, hard money lender. Not hard money. That's going to be too high. But I suspect right. that might be do- doable. So I'd reach out to a really good, really creative mortgage broker that has multiple options and run that by them. Because it, it, be it may be more doable than you think in this situation. And if you get really stuck, sell the house to an investor and let him own or finance the tour. Sell to an investor. So find, a, find an investor who's doing rent to own or lease with option to purchase or owner financing. There's a handful in just about every market. They're not easy to find sometimes. But if you can get a guy in Pennsylvania who's who's you know has cash and he's willing to buy that home as an investment, and you know, do a lease with option to purchase or a, a, an owner finance deal with her. Then you guys all you guys get bought out, and she can buy the home from the investor. Wow, this is some great information. Which which which, which market are you in? Or not? Which market are you in? Where's the house? Where's the house is in Philadelphia? Okay. The house okay. is in in Bucks County, um, like southeast Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. It's a suburb right. of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I have a few investors in, in Pennsylvania. I'll, I'll private. Uh, what's your name? And I'll uh, get with you offline. Oh, okay. Um, it's Michael Concannon. And, and by the way, Bruce, he's, he's in our database as a lead, and I have a feeling one of our salespeople might be calling him right after the call to okay. talk about that a little bit more. <laughs> he's uh, in answer, the database answer, as a lead. Yay. Yeah. Answer that phone and uh, and have them connect you with me, get you on my schedule. This is Bruce, by the way. Bruce. Okay. Yep. Very good. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Thank you. Great and call. Bruce, we have... I wasn't realizing it's in Philly. Um, if you guys need it, I actually have a friend who specializes in owner financing in the Philadelphia area. So if you come up short, I think we've got your back. Wonderful. Perfect. Thank you. You've been a big help. All right. Glad to hear it. Next up, and we only have four more in the queue. We probably have room for more, guys. Don't be bashful. Hit star six and hit one. Jump in there now uh, so you don't get shut out. Uh, next up is... Phone number ending in 0742. You're up next. Hey, guys. I am, uh, my name's Cameron. I'm in Fresno, California. Love the whole probate thing. Um, I'm in, I'm at the end of an escrow right now. Um, everything has gone smoothly. And this is the first time I've worked with this attorney. And she's in San Diego. The title company is asking for copies of the notice to perform or not in the notice, I'm sorry, notice of proposed action. Sorry. Another escrow. Um, and she's saying she's swearing. It, it's kind of like, it's kind of like adversarial at this point between the attorney and the title company. I guess my question is I'm only familiar with probate escrows having a notice of proposed action. And she's saying it's not necessary because all other four, uh, siblings have signed off and given him full authority. So I guess my question is, a notice of proposed action is standard in every probate escrow, right? So you're in one of the most complex, complicated state. Um, your process is a little more, it's quite a bit more complex than most. But if your attorney is not communicating, you can all remember you can always call the probate clerk and and you know clear up anything with them. 
like to kind of do your homework and then reapproach the title company and be like, actually, I just spoke with the clerk, Jane Doe. She said X um, to help them because not it, it is complex and some people are just you know we're all learning. I don't think you can ever learn everything about it. Uh -huh. um, but if the attorney, if communication is broken down, you can rely on other attorneys or call the probate clerk to get some questions answered. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, we're ready to close. It's just the underwriter needing this notice of proposed action, which the attorney is swearing up and down is not necessary. And this title company, a title company I use for all my transactions, is, I don't know, like, what? I guess I don't know what my question is at this point, but. <clears throat> for every well, it sounds like your question is how do I how do I get it closed right and you're in an impasse between the attorney and the title company is that yeah is that accurate yeah pretty much okay. yeah, I'm assuming you've already go ahead I'm assuming you've already tried the direct approach with the attorney no I haven't but I mean even early on she asked why I mean I, I always set up probate escrows um, for offers to indicate a 45-day escrow because of that 15-day period of the notice of proposed action. And that was how it all kicked off. She said, why is this escrow so long? And I was like, well, you know, the NOPA. She said, well, no, we don't need – she was very stern. We don't need that. Who told you we needed that? He has full authority. And she – I don't know. So um, that was my first encounter with that. And, I've, I mean, I've been through two probate escrows before this one now. And I'm only – Were they limited authority or full authority? I mean, they both had letters of administration. I didn't need court approval for either one of them. Okay, so they both had full authority. Okay, okay that's full authority then. Yeah, and that went through that title company? Um, the same no, title company in it, question? It went through, no, it was last year. It went through a different one. Um, but they, okay. they more than willingly gave up the notice of proposed action. Um, do you still have your closing documents from, from one of those closings last year? Sure, I could find them. So if you can find your, your, your closing documents, even if you call the title company and say, hey, can you send me the package on this one? And then uh -huh. forward that to the attorney and say, listen, this was a full authority closing that we did with a different title company. Here's all the documentation. You know, it's I've done my job. I just need your help to to finish this, and resistance isn't going to get either of us paid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do we want to be right or do we want to close? That's basically. I could give. The, I could. I, I could give us. I can. I don't care about being right. It's but it's about her wanting to be right. You know what I mean? Her. That's, that's the question. That's, 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 that's what, what he meant. Yeah, I've asked that question of attorneys that want to fight before, and it's happened multiple times. Attorneys want to fight. They want to be right. And I've, uh, I've just asked that question four or five times, and they never love it, but guess what? Every time I've asked, they always they always cave in. They're like, yeah, we want to get paid. Okay. And then as a thank you, once this deal is done, as a thank you, buy the book Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday and drop it in the mail to that attorney. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> right on. Thanks. Guys. All right. All right. Good luck. Let us know how it turns out. All right. Next up in the queue is phone number ending in one five eight three. You're up next. Hey, y'all. This is Travis again. Um, I spoke with y'all last week, and um, and it was a blast. But I got one more question that I want to ask you all that I'm getting hung up on for some reason for the last few days. Sure. Okay. So, uh, so my question is: So when I 
So when I make um, on most of my leagues, the PR, she have they have either he or she have you know one or two members, and the rest of them be. Uh, I get other family members. Now, when I get to that first number, the PR number, and she doesn't answer, and I keep going down the line up to the rest of the numbers. Now, my problem is if the PR don't answer, I don't get nowhere with that lead because I really can't get past the family members. And, and most of them be, well, like the mom would be like the mom of the PR be like an older person, preferably an older lady. And the kids be the signs that they don't, you know, too much want anybody talking to their mother. Uh, protecting the family member so that I can't really get past them. And that's my hang-up for some reason the, the last few days. You want to role play? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Ring, ring. Who's the personal rep? Me or you? Uh, you are. You're the personal rep. You're the one getting the objections, so you drive the bus. Okay. Ring, ring. Uh, Hey, um, can I speak with um, Ms. Jones? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm playing Travis. Like I'm playing. Oh, I'm, playing I'm outbounding okay. this call. You, you be a random family member that's not Travis. Okay. So I ring, ring. Hello. Hi, uh, I'm trying to reach Travis Smith. Um, he's not available right now. Who's calling? Uh, my name's Chad. I was reaching out because we have a team here in, in Atlanta that help families going through probate. And uh, when we met with the clerk this week, she she identified your family as one that, that may need some help as, you know, going through this process. So I was just hoping to touch base and introduce myself to Travis and see if there's any way we could help your family. Could you uh, could you share a, a good number for him? Well, we, I mean, well, as to tell you the truth, um, he's my dad, and um, he was the only child, so... I mean, I'm probably sure he don't need no help with that. Yeah, that's how most families feel. I don't, I don't know if you does he seem a little more stressed than usual. Um, not really. Okay. Well, I tell you what, I uh, I'll leave my number with you. Um, a lot of families will feel like they've got it handled for weeks and sometimes months, and then when they, they when they realize they're in over their head, they call for help. Um, if you could, just let him know that I called and let him know that there's someone here in the community that can help you guys with anything and everything. Like, for example, have you guys have you guys had to deal with cleaning out properties and getting all that taken care of? Have you lost your weekends yet, or is that still coming? Um, tell you two right now, uh, you know what? I don't even think we got into none of that stuff yet. Yeah, so do you guys have, was there, you know, houses and cars and all that stuff in the estate, or did, did your deceased family member not own anything? Yes, it was it was one house. It was one house, um, but my dad, like I said, um, I think one of our other family members is going to live in it, and my dad, he's the only child, and um, I, I'm quite sure he, need, he he don't need any help with that. Okay. Well, if he does, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to be the one taking your time to help him. Um, if you could just let him know that we can help get the house cleaned out, get it, get any repairs made, um, get a proper lease put in place. We see a lot of families getting bad situations by just letting people move in without a lease. Whatever we can do to have your back, um, that's what we're here for. So if, if you don't want to be the one moving the stuff and watching your dad struggle through what a lot of families do, just pass my number along to him. Hey, Tay, you know what? I thought I had a break script. Man, you know what? I'm over here shaking my head because I did not get that far. And, like, now, like, that how this conversation went this morning. This morning. 
And now I feel like that would mean a situation I would want to pass a number. And you're right. Exactly. I, that was, that was because I brought you right. into it. I brought your emotions into his problem, right? And when you so said, I showed you I showed you what you had to lose when you weren't thinking about how this is like, oh, this doesn't affect me at all. But then I started taking you away from your girlfriend and your weekend at the lake and these other things. And I started painting the picture of problems your family has that you and then you're thinking, oh, wow, how selfish am I? Maybe he does need help. But that is super cool. Now, this where I this where I went wrong at. And when you said when you said, um, well, I'm quite sure that you're going to be the one helping them, right? When it ain't like they hit me, and this, and you know what, my my conversation didn't carry that long, and um, I think that's what that's what that that, that was my hangup, and that was it. So I'm the takeaway here, it can go it can go a million different ways depending on who's on the phone and what the answers are, but the takeaway is run toward the obstacle. Don't take an objection at face value. Because that's what salespeople do. Leaders who want to help families through this, who know that they have problems even before they know they have a problem, they keep pushing and they keep gathering information. And they find out what, what, what emotions are driving the behavior. In most cases, the behavior is, is apprehension or procrastination. But why? Let's figure out why. And let's, let's, make this a, let's make this real while we're on the phone. Because we might not ever get them to pick up again. So... Give a, put a little pressure on, and you know you're doing the right thing. There's no way that they're not going to get a super high level of service, and you don't get paid until you do what you promise. So you're not pressuring them into anything but receiving help. So push. Hi, right, sounds good. I thank you all so much, Dan. It's, it's a winner. I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you all. Jim, you still with us? Yes, I am. I muted out there. Sorry about that. Uh, we only have two in the queue. Um, don't wait to the last minute, guys. If you, anybody wants to participate, just hit star six and hit one. We've got plenty of time for you. Uh, next up is phone number ending in 4361. You're up next. Hi, guys. I'm so impressed with the work you guys do. Um, and I was trying to wade through this probate plus product and one of the things that intrigued me was the ability to spot a short sale uh, I've done quite a few short sales and I'm a real estate guy and I've done quite a few short sales but I'm curious as to okay you can spot a short sale opportunity by using probate plus but who cares I mean, the way I look at it, if there, if you run a short sale, the seller doesn't get a dime. So what is the benefit to the estate or to the descendants of doing a short sale? And, Chad, if and it's okay, I'll secondly, take this, I'll, I'll take this one when you're secondly, done. Go ahead, how go ahead would, Tim. And secondly, how would you go about it? I guess sure. you have to contact the probate attorney and deal with him. Or her. Yeah, let me let me start off, Tim. Um, a, a lot of you know my wife and I started a short sale company. Oh gosh, thirteen years ago. She's done over two thousand of them, and 
on the service, no, what you're that, saying that's not that's absolutely not true. You guys invented short sales. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we invented because we had so many of our own <laughs> uh, back in the good old days. But what you're saying uh, logically would seem to be true. What what we have been, or what my wife is is frequently surprised by is you're right most of the time there's nothing substantial for the estate to gain to gain there can be exceptions where if the lender came after him it might jeopardize some other assets but that's not really a viable reality but what what we've been surprised was how many people were willing to cooperate with the short sale just because they didn't want to see mom or dad's house fall into disrepair and, you know, and, and they wanted to see a nice family move in there. And there isn't really a financial incentive for the estate, but there really isn't any work required either. Unlike a living person that has to supply, you know, hardship letters and financials and all kinds of documentation, I mean, the deceased doesn't have a bank account. Generally, you just have to have the the executor sign one document giving the short sale negotiator or yourself permission to negotiate with the bank, and you're pretty much done. So there isn't a lot of work, and some of them may just say forget it, but I, I, I think we found that at least half, maybe a majority of them, are willing to cooperate just because they want to see the property end up in good hands and they don't want to see it go into disrepair. So it's certainly worth a try. Um, there are There are very isolated cases where, uh, we have been able to get a relocation bonus, which is kind of ironic. You know, the person's already relocated, but, but for the for the family. But that that isn't something I would expect or promise. But I would just reach out to the family and and with that attitude that hey, you know, I noticed you're upside down, and I know you don't have a lot to gain, but you probably want to see a nice family move into that house, and you don't want to see it go into disrepair. You know, if I could do everything for you, and all you got to do is sign one document, would would that be okay if I? kept that house from getting foreclosed. I think you might be pleasantly surprised the response you'll get from a lot of people. Okay, if I understand you correctly, you, you want to structure it so you could negotiate for them with a bank. You get some sort Correct. of permission to do that. A le okay, limited, so limited let, power, let, limited, just a limited power of attorney is all you need. Okay, so if you, let's if you, assume you do, go ahead. Go ahead. If you need one, just reach out to my wife. It's uh, she'll she'll give you the one that she uses. It's nine five four five eight four zero 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 zero. If you need any help structuring it, and she'll actually even do it for you. And she doesn't take any of your commission. She gets the fee out, her fee out of the deal. But if you want to do it yourself, she'll share the document with you that she uses. And what's her name? Pam. Pam. Pamela. Pam. Right. That's right. I remember. Yep. Okay, let's assume you do that, Jim. Then what? How do you get paid? Well, you in this case, you're a realtor, correct? Are you a realtor, an investor, or both? I'm a realtor. Yeah, the bank. It, it's the bank. It's funny. That's another misconception with short sales. A lot of people think, oh, they'll take a better price if there isn't a realtor. You're dealing with a. <laughs> you're dealing with a. Uh, a person in the short sale apartment that has strict guidelines and they have it programmed in to every short sale, they're willing to pay a 6% commission. And if they don't pay that, it doesn't mean they're, they're going to take a better price for the, for, for the short sale. It really doesn't. So they've already got 6% figured in there. So you just act as the realtor and you know, you go, you list the property, you find a buyer, you act as the realtor and you collect the commission. 
Okay, I got it. So, yeah, that makes some sense. All right, that answers my question. The other, the other, the other, the other thing before kind of before we move on to your next question, the other thing you need to consider: everything you've talked about is is valid as if there's a single note. If there's more than one lien on the property, if there's a second mortgage, um, that the reason it's underwater, as long as it's not underwater on the on the dom the 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 primary lien. There's always a possibility you can negotiate the second position lien, whatever that might be, a mortgage, a judgment, or whatever it might be. There's always the possibility you can negotiate a, negotiate that down low enough so there actually is equity in the estate. So don't just yeah, automatically assume that it's always a first deed of trust. It could be two or three layers of liens, and you could remove layer three and layer two and have equity for the family. So you can create massive value, and they can keep the home versus losing the home. So, again, always ask good questions. Yep, great point. Very true. Does that help, Tim? Uh, yeah, it did. A, a little short, dumb question. How do you pay for this um, probate plus? Do you have to convert to everything or? So if you don't want to run probate plus, let's say you have a list of 100 leads and you look down through it and you're like, well, I've already talked to these 20 and I don't, I know they're not going to sell. You go into the option status tab and select opt out probate plus and then that way when you run the order it won't run probate plus on that lead so in that scenario you had a hundred you opted out 20 when you click get probate plus the order form will actually notice on that list there are only 80 that are not opted out so it'll charge you two dollars times 80 so you'll it'll be hundred and sixty dollars for that list versus two hundred dollars Oh, okay. So if, if, I didn't if see there's ones that you don't that. want to run it on, and if it's a new list, that's a list that you already have. It's a, if it's a new list, we're just going to run it on everything because we're assuming you haven't spoken to any of them. So it's it's better, you know, you, we can run it for $2 and you'll know what they own versus sending up mail and making phone calls and trying to figure that out. So on, on your new list and your recurring subscription list, it'll just automatically run on everything if you set it up that way. If you're just doing individual orders, it'll run on the ones that aren't opted out. Is it possible for me to just do one list to see how it goes, or do I have to com commit to a long term? No. Go to that list in My Probate Leads, and you'll see a column for Probate Plus, and you can click there, and, and it'll take you right to the order form. And just uh, pull that list up in the order form and click okay. submit, and it'll it'll run within an hour. Okay. Thank you very much, you guys. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Tim. We appreciate you. All right. We got a full queue now. I'm going to close the queue, guys. Good job filling it back up. Next up is phone number ending in seven one five two. You're up next. Hello. This is my first call in, and uh, just starting with this whole probate stuff. So. Uh, I have tons of questions. My, a friend of mine called me because a guy that I've used regularly in my real estate transactions, he is actually dying and he is in the hospital right now and he may not make it through the day. However, the woman he's lived with for over 20 years, he never married. He doesn't have a will, doesn't have a trust. They don't have kids. He does have a brother. 
and she he was the main money maker so she has no income to pay any kind of a mortgage what's my first step what do I need to do oh and I should have told you this is Becky Trowbridge and I'm in Springfield Oregon so Becky I'm assuming that her concern is she wants to stay in the home and maintain her lifestyle you didn't say that but that's what I heard right oh absolutely yes um, what's the dynamic between her and the brother he's helping her she does have her name on a couple of the vehicles so he's helping her to get those fully in her name so that they won't be part of any um, probate or whatever they end up going into and he's trying to help her I haven't contacted him yet because I just got this call late last night and, um, and nobody nobody to your knowledge nobody has power of attorney for the the patient no nope there is none if anybody would it would be um, known, but there's been no document signed do you know what the common law of marriage requirements are in your state I don't so my first call would be to a family law attorney and I would explain the situation and just say you know this is urgent um, at this, the, before we put a strategy together, we just want to make sure that Ms. Smith understands her rights and is her is her relationship with the patient is that is that going to be recognized as a common law marriage in this state? And if so, right. what is what are the succession? What are her rights in succession? If 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 it is recognized as a common law marriage and she has succession rights as, as a married woman, then she's entitled to probably half of the estate and the brother is entitled to half of the estate. Okay. Becky, I didn't I didn't hear you say this, so maybe I missed it. Is the is the um, the patient is he is he conscious and competent or is he in a coma? He's not in a coma well He's not conscious. He's not competent. They tried to get him to sign a will that was just yeah. kind of drafted up when he went in, but he gotcha. spiraled down so quickly. He's he's yeah. not aware to be able to even put an X on a line. Okay, never mind. I, I know any good title company's done a number of the uh, the deeds at the hospital, but but they have you have to have you know conscious competence. So if that's not an option, right. then that was my first. That B. was my first question, yeah. but. Yeah, like I said, he sure. may not even make it through the day. So, Got it. So for anybody on this call that doesn't have an estate plan, use today as inspiration because life can change yeah. in a cocaine heartbeat, and so many people go through situations like this. Just, I mean, it's 1500 bucks to set up a trust. It's less than that to, to do a will, and there's no excuse. But... I mean, hopefully, it sounds like the brother is going to, is willing to do what's fair, and he recognizes her as a sister-in-law and should treat her accordingly. But he he may not be obligated to. Um, he may not have to. But I would, if I were you, I would talk to a family law attorney and at least you know try to learn like learn as much as you can about her rights, and then talk to the brother. And uh, and just you know say listen if if they you know if they were married she would get X or you know she by the way they they were basically common law marriage so I would like for her to get X do you agree um, hopefully he'll do the right thing it sounds like it's a better situation than some yeah I think he will and really their um, their home it's it's clear out out of town it's not worth much 
it's probably less than 300,000. It's got a couple acres, but it's, it's pretty dilapidated, so it's not like he's going to come into something really big. And I think, I think he'll do good because he has his own family, his own home, his own everything, so he doesn't need what they have. So it is horribly unfortunate, but sure. they just felt like they never could afford it. So. All right. Well, good luck. Try to get in the middle in a nice way. Let them both know, both of them know that you're there to help them equally, and uh, hopefully you'll be the one that, you know, can sell the property for them when they're, when they're able to, you know, if it has to go through okay. probate or not. Okay? Right. Okay. All right. We have three more in the queue. Joe Lehman, you're up next, sir. I just wanted to give you a success story. Oh, go! You're you're our winner of the week then, because you're you'll be the first. <laughs> I've um, I had um, two opportunities with estates uh, where both of the personal representatives of the estate just wanted to be done with it, and I was able to quickly put the under contract. Didn't even didn't list them. Didn't put them in multiple. Just put a deal together with an investor. Buying them as is, where he is, one is seventy thousand. It's probably about a hundred thirty thousand dollar house fixed up. One at fifty eight thousand. It, it's probably about the same value fixed up, but it had a pool in the backyard. And this investor goes in, cleans them out, fixes them, them up, and then does uh, bond for title, deed for contract. And they're perfect properties for him. So anybody out there, if you haven't developed a good group of core investors that you can go to immediately and put deals together, you need to do that because these can be very fast, quick deals. These came together uh, in, you know, uh, showing one afternoon less than an hour to see both properties and boom, offers on the table, accepted. Yep. Well, that's great. Thanks, thanks for sharing that, Joe, and that's great advice. Bruce and I actually had this conversation yesterday privately. Like Most of my probate deals never saw MLS um, because the wow. seller would sign, sign an MLS opt-out. We would send it through our private buyer's list, and it would be under contract immediately, and I mean usually within hours because we were selling them at 80 cents on the dollar, and they were in really good condition compared to MLS inventory that landlords are picking through. So we like we we did it very discreetly and very quickly, and you know they're they're not you know those those aren't sexy numbers especially for people on the west coast, but the reality is you just did two transactions and a lot of times I would put a flat fee on them, so if it was a fifty thousand dollar house I would just say a five thousand dollar commission and the seller is unrepresented, and I would take the full five thousand or excuse me the buyer is unrepresented. And I would take the full $5,000 on a $50,000 deal. I made 10% commission. And I was fully transparent with the family about that. I'm like, you know, it's, it's, I'm not going to do this for $1,500, but if you're okay with $5,000, I'll get this done very quickly. And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever, like, whatever you think. That's, that's more like we couldn't have done it our, on our own. Um, so you can, you can, the volume on these can be much, much higher than conventional deals. And, yeah, like a lot of times I didn't even go, I was only to the house one time ever. So I would be paid 5000 bucks for an hour of work, and the investors yeah. always came back. Like it just keeps reinforcing that relationship. So 
We've, I've said it for years, but you know, having a strong cash buyers list and real relationships with them, knowing are they landlord, are they a flipper, are they a portfolio buyer, are they a private money lender, are they a owner finance guy like the guy you called, um, the better you understand what their what their strategy is, the better you can understand their appetite and which deals to send to them. So when you do send them, they take you very seriously. So if you don't have cash buyers. I want you to, one thing to do right now for anyone who feels like if you don't have at least five really solid cash buyer relationships, meaning if you called their cell phone right now, they would know who you are and they would know that you're the real deal. If you don't have five of those, I'm going to challenge you to get that in place by the end of this quarter. And that's, you could do it by the end of this week if you wanted to. But we're coming into a period where you're going to make the, the people who have those cash buyer relationships are going to be the high, the top earners for the next probably two years. So you, it's really important right now that you do what Joe, like what Joe's doing, like really focus on getting those strong buyer, investor buyer relationships. But if you go to alltheleads.com in the top right, put in cash buyers. And you'll see some tips from the trainer videos, and you'll see mastermind calls where we talk about uh, long, like short-term approaches at doing this, and longer-term approaches at how you find the, the right cash buyers. And I'll give you a hint: it's not by buying a list from some soft piece of software. <laughs> it's done organically and it's done easily, but it's, it's done in your community. So thanks for sharing that, Joe. That's that's awesome, man. And I, that's great, Joe. Initial phone call, one visit to the property, one visit to the property with the buyer, deal done. Yeah, yeah you know, Joe, much. I was I was chuckle I was chuckling a little bit when I think it was Becky said it. You know, it's not a big deal; it's only three hundred thousand. I was thinking, well, Roger Lacey at, at Joe Lehman. I mean, that's five deals, but you you just do ten of them a month to, to make up for for your low sales yeah. price. That's all. Hey, it works anywhere. That's great. Hey, Joe. Yeah. Have you been in Probate Plus? Are you using it? Uh, I Probate Plus didn't show the the information out of my MLS. It, it, you know, you, I think it's, my MLS is one of. Oh, that's right. I talked to somebody about this for you. Yeah, so we have like ninety percent MLS coverage, but you're in one of those MLSs that won't release their data, right? Well, I don't know what the what it is. Maybe we need to talk about this outside of the call of this call. But there's but no even without the MLS, even without the MLS information, where I see this is valuable to you. If you sort by equity percentage, and you see that they like all the free and clear assets, right? And you can you could you could really build the relationship with this investor. Like, go buy him lunch and be like, hey, how many how many houses are you trying to buy this year? And each month you could send him a list of property addresses or, or, you know, you could send him something. Be like, listen, I've got 12 this month that are free and clear. How many, like, and, and these zip codes, which ones would you be interested in? And then you can actually approach those families and, and, and be, have a very direct conversation and say, listen, I have a gentleman who I understand you're the, the administrator of an estate. We've got a team that helps with almost anything, but... I'm specifically calling today because someone asked me to call you to see if I could, if 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 they would, if, you know, if you would be willing to sell the home and that's it's in the estate. 
but you can kind of go window, let him window shop, and then go after the the deals that fit his criteria. It sounds like he's probably doing volume if he's buying two in a month. And 67% of these homes are free and clear, so they're great for that type of strategy. Um, you could potentially um, go, you know, just target your effort, your investor effort with Probate Plus. It'll help you find the right opportunities for them. Okay. Just a thought. Good idea. But the, you don't All need right. the MLS data to do that because everything else comes through. We're pulling everything else from tax, like tax databases, mortgage databases, um, you know, valuations. Like it's, there's stuff coming from all directions. So even if we don't have the MLS feed and, and your from your, your MLS, all the other data is still there. All righty, Chad, we got two more in the queue. Are you okay going an extra five or ten minutes over, or do you have a two o'clock call? Yeah. No, I'm good. You're, you're okay? All right. We got two more in the queue. We're going to finish up real quick. Hopefully, um, y'all can hang around for another 10 minutes. Next up is phone number ending in 6742. You're up next. Hi there. Um, it's Catherine. Um, I have two questions. One question is the, um, the errors in the personal re representative, when they get the distribution, is that money tax-free or is that considered to be like a capital gain? Most of it's tax-free. So like the real estate specifically, you can look up step-up basis. So like if you inherit a million-dollar home, you don't have to pay capital gains on a million bucks. But there will be uh, the, a basis will be established where the value where you inherited it will become your basis value, and then whatever gain you make on it, you will pay on that. So it's not it's not like if you have you know a million dollars in assets, you're going to be taxed at a million. There's and and you know a CPA in your state would be the would have the the better answer. But you're not heavily taxed on you know in in the until you get into. I think it's 12 million bucks is where they really start to nail you with tax. Um, but for most estates on, on these calls, you're not going to have much tax liability. So a lot of the PRs, when, you know, when they're going through probate and they don't have money to fix it up and stuff, I know you talked about that at, at, at probate cash, but where do they, do they use their own money for the most part because everything is stuck in the estate? Well, most people won't want to. So if the estate has money, one of the first steps once they get the authority is they go gain access to a bank account or open a bank account for the estate. And then they can use any of that money for repairs to, you know, to get more equity out of the property. A lot of times there's no money there. The average senior citizen only has $24,000 in liquidity to their name, um, which means half of them have a lot less than that. So a lot of times it's just not an option. That's where we can get creative. We can bring in, you know, an estate advance company to advance them cash, and then they get paid back at the very last minute on the last line of the distribution with the family. Or we can turn our contractors into lenders, and we can get them paid at the closing table or at the final distribution. Um, we can go to investors who can who can you know advance money to them and and take you know mortgages on property or different things. So there's lots of different ways. Oftentimes, you know, it's the family doesn't need to put their own personal money into the estate. We can show them how to not take the risk by paying a you know a reasonable interest rate to an investor or a company or a contractor. 
Okay, great, thanks. Um, my second question is um, dealing with uh, creative financing, um, like structuring a deal. Like, when is it best to use the lease option or the contract for deed? And what happens if we go under, you know, a contract like this and there's repairs? You know, do I do I use my own money or try to borrow money to do the actual repairs, even though I have this contract for deed that I'm, you know, taking over payments or paying them more for for monthly? I guess I'm just wondering, like, the where only, the, the only time you should ever. The only time you should ever use your money is when you're a principal in the transaction. If you're an agent in the transaction, don't put your money into the deal. It's not necessary. You're, you're taking unnecessary risk. If you're buying the property and then you're sandwiching yeah, in a it, sandwich lease option, mm -hmm. yeah, then, then you put your money into it or you sell it as is where is. So uh, as far as the best time to use owner financing versus lease with option to purchase, it's outside of the scope of what time we have left here. So I'll point you to, okay. we did a series back in March called Shift Happens. So if you go to uh, youtube.com forward slash all the leads, click on playlist, and then go to the Shift Happens playlist, episode four. I made a matrix of the seven most the seven most common creative financing strategies that can be used in this space and in this market environment. And I spend two hours showing you the benefits, the pros and cons to both the buy side and the sell side. So, there, and I give you examples of when and how each of those will be used. And we talk about uh, a straight owner financing, a wrap subject to uh, second mortgage, lease with option to purchase, uh, several, several, you know, contract for deed, land contract. So there's, there's seven, seven specific strategies, and I tell you when to use them, when not to use them, when it's beneficial to the buyer or the seller, and when it's not beneficial to the buyer or seller. And that will, I think, give you everything you're looking for. Okay, great. So Shift Happens, Thanks. Episode 4. All right, last up this week has been patiently waiting since the top of the hour is phone number ending in 3937. You're up last. Thanks. Um, hi, Chad. This is um, Bo again. I spoke to you last week, but um, I, I was asking the questions about how to properly um, do the transactions as a realtor, um, and I had spoken to um, one of the brokers here, and they were kind of vague, like, um, as far as the documentation that you were telling me about last week, like, I would like for you to tell me pretty much what you told me last week again, but if you could just say it slower, because you kind of, like, line it <laughs> off kind of fast. I think it's because you, you're you so familiar with it, so you're just, like, you know, nailing it, but I kind of missed it. <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind um, just telling me again, just, like, a little slower this time so I can actually write it down. So forgive me. I, I don't. I talk to a lot of folks. We're just talking about the paperwork that we need to look, properly list a piece of real estate in probate. Um, not necessarily list it because that would just be like doing traditional real realtor work. But if I want to, because I remember I was saying, um, because um, with the realtor we have to do all this disclosure or whatever, and so um, I was asking like if. You could do like a flat fee for. Okay, um, I remember now. The, we talked about mul multiple ways to get paid. 
Yes, I do remember. Yes. Okay, so the way you get paid on your license is you, and I'm going to give you this in, in the, the, I guess, in, in my preference. As okay. a realtor, um, you, you will represent the seller and the seller only. So you'll have an exclusive right to represent seller agreement. When you bring the investor in, you're going to have the, you're going the the front page of the the purchase agreement is going to be an unrepresented party addendum. The names of these forms might be different in your market, but you'll find them. And what's that is just an explicit, you know, no, it's just everyone saying that we understand who like nobody is representing the buyer. They don't need representation. And the way we pitch okay. that as a benefit to the buyer is, hey, Mr. Seller, just like on an auction platform, or unlike on an auction platform where you would pay a 4 or 5% buyer's premium, I'm actually not mm -hmm. going to charge you any commission as long as you don't need representation. So would you like to save 3% and I'll just leave you unrepresented? Okay, great. Mm -hmm. So he, he's seeing that as a, as a, a, you know, as a no cost but a high perceived value. And then you're just going to take the full listing side commission. The reason I like that structure, I don't believe in dual agency. I don't think that you can fairly represent two people in opposing positions. Just can't happen. So you limit. That's the, one of the number one ways people lose their real estate licenses in dual agency arguments, debates. Mm -hmm. So just don't put mm -hmm. yourself in that position. Represent one side. Okay. If you're going to do it on your license, I would do it that way. And you can do it as a percentage or you can do it as a flat fee. You'll address that in the listing agreement, not in the purchase agreement. So in the okay. listing agreement, you can write in, you know, for, uh, you could even do 6% or $5,000, whichever is higher, but I usually choose one or the other. Mm -hmm. To do this off your license as an investor, you should have a separate, you should have an entity like an LLC you should have an EIN number, a bank account, and none of that should be commingled with your license. Your purchase and sale agreement needs to have a, a, disclaim, a, a uh, disclosures in it. My disclosure is, uh, I'm going to do my best here, but um, seller recognizes that Chad Corbett, the managing member of Resolutions Real Estate Services, is a licensed real estate agent in West Virginia, Virginia, Hawaii, Tennessee, and, and yada, yada, and is entering into this contract with the sole intent of making a profit, period, capital bold, no agency relationship exists. And I make them initial that in the additional terms and sign the contract. So if anyone ever says anything about me practicing brokerage without a license, I, they can see where they had, they initialed the disclaimer in the listing agreement, and then they signed the listing agreement. And that has happened to me, and the investigator congratulated me on being thorough and being ethical, and he closed the case immediately because I wasn't practicing without a license. I was being a principal in a transaction. Okay. And by the way, if you ever – these these calls are always posted. You can always go back and listen. You can even uh, – they're podcasts. They're on our website. There's links. You can always, you know – uh, have your broker listen to it <laughs> if, if it if something gets lost in the transaction or in the translation I should say okay and the last thing I wanted to ask so you were saying this would be as far as um, doing a listing but like the previous gentleman was saying that um, they didn't list the property he just um, uh, 
basically gave the information to an investor that he knows and they were able to close the deal the next day, um, would this be like the similar step or the similar process rather? So we didn't, I didn't ask Joe exactly how he structured the deal, but if, if let's just assume that he only represented the buyer. So he contacted the seller, had a relationship with them. Let's just consider them a FISBO. And then he contracted directly with the buyer on an exclusive right to represent buyer with X percent or X number of dollars if they, if they buy a property at 123 Walnut Street. So you can do that. You can have a specific buyer's agency agreement with a flat fee or a percentage, the same as you can with, with the seller. Um, I just find that, that, you know, we're reaching out to the seller offering a service. I usually end up signing the agreement with the seller and then leaving my buyer unrepresented, like, so they feel like they don't have to pay a commission. Ultimately, the commission's coming out of their money. But Gotcha. So either All way, right. you can do that. The big takeaway, All right. and your broker, your broker will appreciate me telling you this, but the big takeaway is pick a side, like represent one party. Perfect. And Carlos Rivas, I'm sorry, we got to leave you in the queue. Or actually, he dropped out. If you need, if you, anytime, guys, we we close down and we don't get to your question, just contact us right away after the call, and we'll help you one on one. Um, Carlos was in there, but I see he's gone now. All right. Well, thank you, guys. I want to end this call the way I always do. I want to thank all 150 of you for being here. I want to particularly thank those who actively participated. And I want to challenge each of you. You heard some great ideas, some great stories. Take one thing that inspired you on this call, go out and put it into practice, and please come back next Thursday and share your results with the group. Make it a great week, guys. Stay productive, stay healthy, and we will talk to you same time next Thursday. Take care.